0: I'm blue. Dabba dee, dabba die. Dabba dee, dabba die. Hello hello, 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 hello.
1: Here we are at the end of January. We're traipsing forward into. Fall in love February. Yeah,
0: very exciting. Uh, Little do the listeners know, we just had a literal two-hour meeting where we mapped out the rest of the season.
1: So, Yeah, it was funny because in the meeting, and this is going to make me sound like actually stupid, but guys, I (laughs) promise, like... I'm not, i like, I have a degree, like, whatever. But you guys kept saying, like, oh, my God, we fit, like, this is the rest of the season, the rest of the season. But for some reason, in my mind, I was like, we just started 2024. Like, why do they keep saying season? And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> the Stardazzle Awards. Yes. So, like, we have fully planned up to the end of May. Yeah. feeling kind of good yeah i'm i'm pretty stoked
0: about the lineup i gotta say we have some real bangers coming your way ones that have been highly requested so i'm stoked we have actually
1: back-to-back theme months coming up yeah and i'm so excited to like redo some classic theme months Mm -hmm. you know things that we just didn't get because there was a strike going on and there was just we're getting back yeah to what the people want. Exactly. Exactly. And that's not always gonna be a Swedish art house film, unfortunately, <laughs> for me. But. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So
0: I'm mean, I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. And I hope you guys will like what we have in store. I'm glad to see that people were excited that this was our next movie because it's one that we wanted to cover before the strike happened. It was on our schedule. So
1: Finally, we are here. And I mean, other than the movies, there's just a lot that we want to do this year. And Kay is just full of ideas and mm-hmm. so helpful. And they have a lot up their sleeves. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about what we're going to do in 2024. Um, I just want to like keep things fresh and new and like have you guys be here along for the ride with us. Like, I don't want to bore you. Like, I want it to be exciting.
0: Yeah. And I guess we can let the listeners know that we hit a pretty crazy milestone the other day. Yes. Which is, we hit 1 million
1: all-time downloads, which is crazy. <laughs> it's so wild to think that our podcast's have been downloaded a million times. Yeah. We were talking about this. We we're like, why don't we get a plaque? Right. Like, I feel like we should be given some tangible piece of evidence.
0: Yeah. If anyone wants to send us a plaque, uh, we will give you our addresses. So. Yeah.
1: Please. <laughs> yeah. Send me anything. Mm-hmm. No. I'll take it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's so weird to think that we've been doing this for as long as we have, mm-hmm. but it is – something that we love so much. And so, of course, as like we continue to do the podcast. We want to make sure that you're continuing to enjoy the podcast. So if you have anything that you'd like to suggest, anything you want to see, just hit us up in the DMs, send us an email. We really appreciate your feedback.
0: Yeah, definitely. And with that being said, should we dive into today's banger let's do it so today we are doing one of my childhood favorites
1: 2002's big fat liar when i tell you like well first of all this was never gonna be me but like (laughs) the way that i yearned to be kaylee with Mm -hmm. her amazing like a uh, feathery cardigan.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. I noted it. I made sure to mention it in the notes. I was like, "Kaylee steps out of the limo in her amazing cardigan with the feather trim."
1: That was it. Like, I was like, "Are you is that who is she?" Okay? Amanda Bynes is her name. Exactly. And it is her feature film debut, but definitely huge fodder for me as a kid to be like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. It was like my favorite young adult movie. I also Mm -hmm. loved Frankie Muniz; I thought he was amazing and he's so funny in Malcolm in the Middle. I was like, this guy is incredible.
0: Oh yeah. No, this movie went triple platinum in my house. Like it was on- (laughs) all of the time my brother and i watched it constantly it truly was very formative for my sense of humor and yeah i wanted to be kaylee i had the biggest crush on frankie muniz when i was a kid as well of course those baby blues how could you not but yeah also i feel like her hair doesn't get enough credit in this movie her
1: hair looks so fucking it looks good. so good
0: the mid-length like Layered, feathered out moment. So full, yeah. I have been thinking lately about cutting my hair mid-length again, and this, I think, was I think this is the last straw. I think I
1: need to make an appointment. <laughs> there are actually some really good fits in this mm-hmm. movie, like from Kaylee to uh, a Marty Wolf's receptionist. She has oh, a yeah. total fit off Monty. Yeah. Oh well, Monty, but also the the girl who's there for one scene. Oh, Astrid. Astrid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Marty Wolf himself is wearing like Prada. This whole movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. He he has some fashion moments of himself. Mm-hmm. His house is also the blueprint mm-hmm. for any rich person's house in like the early 2000s where it's like, yep. "Oh, my table's a a, a bright orange circle." Mhm. All the furniture is like super contemporary. A lot of modular furniture.
0: Yeah, right, right. Oh man, what a film! I truly—spoiler alert—I have nothing bad to say about this movie. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. So
1: it is incredible. Let's uh, let's get into the numbers, shall we? Yes. Yeah, so the budget for the film was fifteen million. Okay, it made fifty-three million in the box office.
0: Pretty modest return. You know, not too shabby.
1: Yeah. But also, like, very cheaply made movie for this magnitude. There's a helicopter scene. Like, Yeah. I mean, luckily, they
0: they got to save a lot of money because so much of it is shot on, like, the Universal Studios (laughs) backlot. And it's a Universal production. So Mm -hmm. that works. But yeah, it was Sean. I don't know if it's Levy or Levy. I'm inclined to say Levy. Yeah, I'm thinking Levy. Sean um, yeah it was his directorial feature film debut so they kind of like took a chance on him is his first movie so pretty modest budget and i know that they had a pretty hard time with casting marty wolf because this is such a specific larger than life character like who can fill the shoes mm-hmm. and initially they were looking at you know getting a name so they had approached tim allen And we're like, okay, we'll spend 30% of our budget on getting Tim Allen. Like, they offered him, I think, $5 million. He didn't respond. Wow. (laughs) Yep. My guy. (laughs) Yep. But then Sean was like, well, you know what? There's this guy that I went to Yale with. I've known him since we were like 18. Mm -hmm. Super talented guy. Like, if you look at his... Resume now, he hasn't done a lot of comedy, but, like, I promise you, he is so funny. I think he could do this role, and he would probably do it for, like, 500 grand. So they approach Paul Giamatti, mm-hmm. and they are from the role, and he says yes. And then they really built the character of Marty with him in mind. And, I mean, Paul Giamatti now, Oscar nominee. Right, right. And this remains one of my favorite uh, pieces of work in his filmography,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Because also bear in mind, like this child comedy movie, adventure comedy adventure, yeah, has absolute heavy hitter child actors, mm-hmm. and then they're really the only child actors. Everyone around them is like Paul Giamatti, Jaleel White, yeah, Sandra O, oh. Sandra O, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. The woman who plays Monty, I forget her name, but like they're all adults and mm-hmm. they're all putting on great performances. So it's Donald very Faison. Much like, oh my God. Uh, yes, yes. Donald Faison. Um, Amanda Detmer is Monty's mm-hmm. the woman who plays Monty. But yeah, they're just doing such great jobs mm-hmm. that it's really easy for him to work off of them because you can tell they're both offering a lot yeah. when they're in a scene together it doesn't feel like paul giamatti is going crazy and then like frankie Muniz isn't giving him anything back right. like they're clearly going toe to toe um and the whole movie just uh it's like i'm on the edge of my seat yeah definitely so digressing from that <laughs> so we have not too much in the fun fact category but there was an alternate casting. So initially, Lindsay Lohan was meant to play Kaylee. She was already cast. But she ended up stepping down from the role. And that's how Amanda Bynes got to have her feature film debut.
0: Yeah, we do have some, you know, Nickelodeon crossover. Obviously, Amanda Bynes, uh, Keenan Thompson also has like a very brief cameo in it. And that's because... The screenplay was written by Dan Schneider, who I don't even want to talk about that man. But mm-hmm. yeah, because of the connection with Dan Schneider, we have some all that kids in the mix. But actually, a majority of the like comedy and the fleshing out of the Marty Wolf character was from a rewrite that John Hamburg did of the script. Him and uh, Sean Levy worked pretty closely together to kind of flesh that out because there was the initial idea of – Okay, there are these kids who are, like, sneaking around the Universal backlot, but they really, like, fleshed out the movie and saw where there was just more opportunity for comedy. And, of course, having a talented actress such as Amanda Bynes, who is very down to improv, they were able to work with her, too, and, like, throw in some extra quips. And, I mean, we we talked about it endlessly, how she is truly one of the best comedic actors of our generation. So
1: Absolutely. There's also like, um, I mean, you mentioned Keenan Thompson, mm-hmm. but there is like John Cho is in this movie. Yes. Amy Hill. Um, also, Taryn Killam. Yes. Longtime SNL cast member. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. so wild. Yeah. God. And I think he was on All That. Taryn Killam was like an All That cast member. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because he he definitely had his Nickelodeon moment as well as uh, the decom stuck in the
1: suburbs let
0: us not right, forget right.
1: also Alexandra Breckenridge yes played Frankie Mina's sister and was in obviously she's the man Yes, as um, Amanda Bynes brother's girlfriend so full circle Monique Monique yeah
0: with my eyes That's are closed a, yes, I, see, I see what you truly are, are. Which is Dunday. We're done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Classic. Oh, one last thing I'll say is that I did read like a fun fact about John Cho in this movie hmm. that this is so disgusting that and also very common at the time, but they wanted him to do like an accent for his character. So right, exactly. But he refused. He's like, no, yeah. I'm not gonna do that and he actually has never played um, a character with an accent wow so i guess it's something that he's routinely been like no like i don't want kids seeing this and thinking that it's like funny to like laugh at someone who has an accent so wow yeah good for him and fucked that it has come up so much i know i know it's pretty crazy it's and it was so like today's kids will never know. Thank God they don't yeah. know how common it was right. for an Asian actor to have to do like a very horribly racist Asian accent.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. I guess we should probably get into it because there's much to discuss. But before we do, just want to remind you that out now on Patreon this month is our Enchanted episode. Yeah. Super fun. We had a great time. If you want to hear us chat, James Marsden, Amy Adams,
1: Patrick Dempsey, Idina Menzel, head on Mm -hmm. over. I just started, um, because I think I watched like a half episode maybe but I just started watching jury duty (gasps) with my boyfriend and I thought you were gonna say with my boyfriend, James Marsden. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. No, but the it's hilarious. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend watching that as well. If you need more James Marsden after you listen to our episode. Beautiful. So stunning.
0: And with that being said, do you have a good one for this
1: episode? Do you want to, uh, steal that limo? Right and drive right into it. Do you want to jump out a helicopter, dive right in? Yeah. Do you want to run, jump off a building onto a mattress, whatever? Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Come on, come on, Don't and tell me, me what happened. Come on, oh, come, come on. on, and stop. <laughs> so, as that song plays, <laughs> we pan over Jason Shepard's bedroom where Jason has fallen asleep playing video games. Classic. What's a teen boy in America to do? <laughs> and his dad calls out for him. He's like, Jason. And he's like, I've been up for hours, dad, just getting dressed. (laughs) And his dad's like, finish your English paper. He's like, of course, I finished it last night. Didn't finish his English paper. His mom is like, Jason, did you eat your oatmeal? And he's like, yeah, mom, it was delicious. Feeds it to the dog. Mm. Wake up. 10 lies on site, <laughs> annihilated. Fun fact, this
0: role is actually not played by Frankie Muniz. It's actually played by Liza Minnelli. Right, right.
1: <laughs> Literally. So he goes <sighs> – I'm like, don't know what grammar is. So Jason <laughs> leaves the house. He is riding his skateboard to school when Brett, the bully, played by Taryn Killam, SNL, stuck in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, you get the picture, trips him. And he's like, oh, I'd love to hang around and be emotionally and physically abused, but (laughs) I've got to get to school. So Brett pushes him, and Jason has this little, like, smart aleck comment. He's like, you know what? I thought you would be a great bully. And I was right. Like, (laughs) amazing work. And – He just yanks him up by his backpack, and he's like, give me the skateboard. He tries to talk his way out of it. He's like, you don't want to go from just a a regular school bully to skateboard thief, do you? Next thing we know, Jason is running to school, skateboardless, and a teacher slams the door shut in his face.
0: Yeah. So we go into the classroom, and who is teaching the class but Sandra O. Pre-Grey's Anatomy on the cusp of fame. She doesn't
1: even know it yet. Was Grey's her breakout role? Was there anything she was in before?
0: I mean, she had been in a few things. here, Like, she was in, obviously, Princess Diaries, like, a couple other things here and there. But, yeah, Grey's is what really skyrocketed her. Also, an update for those following along, I am almost done with my grand Grey's Anatomy rewatch. I am on season 19 of this show. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just so many, so many seasons. But – Anyway, she's playing Miss Caldwell in this movie. She is teaching and Jason's BFF, Kaylee, aka Amanda Bynes, is in the classroom and she gets a little I guess like text message on what is supposed to be a phone but almost looks like a high-tech walkie-talkie.
1: Tell. Like what I think that might be their walkie-talkies because yeah. they're best friends. I don't think it's a real cell phone but cuz we see him with cool. a real
0: cell phone later on
1: right that does not
0: look like this so i'm like what is this device cuz i definitely wanted it when i was a kid for sure
1: that's his like i fu- i done fucked up phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> the emergency phone <laughs> yeah so he's like
0: jumping outside the window and he texts kaylee to create a distraction so she begrudgingly agrees clearly this happens pretty frequently And she's like, um, Miss Caldwell, can you open the door? It's a little toasty in here. So while Miss Caldwell's back is turned, Jason climbs through the window. And when he crashes onto the ground, Caldwell sees him. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I was just opening the window to create a cross draft. She's like, all right, that's enough of that. Jason, why don't you read your assignment for the class? And he's like, all right, it's game time, baby. And he makes up a little story. About how he, like, really, really wanted to write his paper, but he spent all night in the emergency room. You see? And then the plinky, plunky <laughs> music starts playing, and he says, See, my mom, she made my dad's favorite dinner last night, Swedish meatballs, and he was so excited that he ended up swallowing one whole, and he started choking. His, his face turned purple. The meatball was bulging out of his neck. We had to rush him to the ER and I kept trying to write my paper in the waiting room, but it was, it was just too hard. I needed to be by my father's side. Sandra O just looks at him and goes, you are lying through your teeth, you little demon. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a crazy thing to say to a student. (laughs) But he's like, you know what? You can call my dad and ask her yourself. My number is 5550147. And I could not tell you why. But this number has been burned in my brain. Really? Forever. Because I remember always thinking like, why in, like why is it 555? Like what area code is that? And then my brother explained to me that like it's a fake number that they use in movies so that like nobody would actually call it. Because if you use somebody's like real number in a movie, like people are going to be annoying and call it. So that's why all fake numbers start with 555. Ah. So there you go. The more you know um watch that not even be true my brother just lied to me (laughs) yeah your brother's like oh my dumb little sister but yeah the number 5550147 burned into my brain for the rest of eternity so caldwell goes outside she calls and jason's own personal cell phone this time a real phone starts ringing and he begs Kaylee like, you gotta help me out, you gotta help me out and she's like, no, 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 and he's like, just say Harry Shepard's office and Like they go back and forth until he just answers the call and she's like, Harry Shepherd's office, one moment please <laughs> hands it back over so Jason puts on like a, a hoarse voice and he's like Oh, yes, Miss Caldwell. And he just really starts embellishing on um, the story, being like, I saw the white light. I was about to cross over to the other side. When I heard the voice, it was the voice of an angel. <laughs> but then I realized it was my sweet son, Jason. And I said, Back off, Grim Reaper. I ain't done living yet. <laughs> With every ounce of gas I had left in my body, I burped that meatball right across the room, and I owe it all to my son.
1: As if the meatball would still be (laughs) in him, (laughs) bulging out of his neck.
0: (laughs) So Caldwell comes back in, and she goes, Jason, I am so sorry. You just take your time handing in that assignment.
1: After school, Kaylee and Jason are two peas in a pod. They're yucking it up in the halls mm-hmm. when Caldwell stops him and he she's like, um, Jason, can you come into my classroom for a moment? And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I would love to, but I I really have to go back to be with my dad. <laughs> and he she's like, Yeah. Bang, bang, boom. His parents are in the class. Yeah. She's like, listen, this assignment accounted for a third of his grade. Without it, he's going to fail. Have to do the class in summer school. And, like, one of the first things his dad says is, like, why did you lie to us? And I'm literally thinking, like, as a parent – Now I'm closer to, like, being a parent's age than his age. Right. And I'm like, I guess, yeah, like, if I'm a parent, wouldn't I consider, like, why did my child lie to me? Yeah. That's, like, my number one question. Like, damn, why'd that bitch lie to me? Yeah. (laughs) What kind of environment have I fostered here? Right. Yeah. So uh, he's like, well, can he maybe make something up? And Caldwell's like, well, I am teaching an English a second language class until 6 p.m. at the community college. Like, if Jason can get me the paper by then, I will consider counting it. And don't even think about downloading something from the net. I want this (laughs) handwritten. (laughs) And dad is like, a thousand word story in three hours shouldn't be a problem since making up stories seems to be your God-given talent. And that's the
0: issue. He has so much creative energy and nowhere to focus it. Get this mm. boy in the arts.
1: Oh, I... <laughs> I don't know why my mind went... You're like, the army. <laughs> Get him in the army where he can express all that creative energy with Cadet Kelly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, no. It's so true. Like, he clearly loves being stimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually watching, like... <laughs> Well, this is in. He's just not that into you. When he's like, "Are you always like paying your bills late? Mm. You're you're doing things last minute because it gives you like a rush, right? And it's exciting." And I'm like, "Damn!" <laughs> so you're telling me if I don't like make up my own drama and shit, like mm. it won't be ex- life won't be exciting. Like that sounds kind of like mid. Yeah, actually. That, that sounds lame as hell. Actually, yeah. <laughs> actually i don't give a fuck about that i'm gonna keep doing me (laughs) yeah yeah
0: so i'm like you know where you know where jason's real talent lies is in improv get this boy in improv class yes and exactly so jason sits down at his desk just twiddling his pencil hearing his dad's words in his head about like why why are you always lying 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 (laughs) <laughs> and then he crosses out – he actually wrote untitled on on the page, crosses mm-hmm. it out, and writes in huge letters, Big Fat Liar. And all of a sudden, the, the creative juices are flowing. The energy is energing. He comes up with a story <laughs> about a man named Kenny Trooper who lied all the time until he started growing bigger and bigger with each lie. The whole world stopped and stared at the Big Fat liar. Wow. Sometimes you get in a groove and you just, it, f- it flows out of you. A- ain't that the truth? Yeah. You know? So he finishes his story, but looks at the
1: clock, it's 5.45 and he's skateboardless. Oh no. So we cut to Jason riding his little sister's pink bike to the community college, but he gets distracted by Brett heckling him And ends up crashing into the side of a white stretch limo. Sure. (laughs) This whole movie is such a time capsule because the way no one would ever be in a stretch limo in 2024. No. Like it's so tacky. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, he runs into this car, and who should be inside a white stretch limo in 2002? The Oscar nominee, Paul <laughs> Giamatti, okay, a.k.a. Marty Wolf. He does not care, okay? He's like, what's up? And the driver's like, "Um, we ran over a kid or something. I don't know. And he's like, points, he's like, I'm on the phone. <laughs> so the limo driver helps Jason up. And I do need to just like take a millisecond to say, Paul Giamatti, a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. Um, He sounds like he grew up in Connecticut, according to the Wikipedia article about him that I recently read today. Yeah. Um, Because he went to Yale, but his father was also a professor at Yale. Oh, Nepo baby.
0: (laughs) Yale Nepo baby.
1: (laughs) Literally. But where was he born? I don't know if it says. Oh, he was just living – yeah. Okay. So he lived in New Haven, and his dad was a Yale University professor who later became president of the university and later commissioner of Major League Baseball. Whoa. Yeah. And his mom was a homemaker and an English teacher who taught at Hopkins, which is actually the rival high school – Uh, from where my brother went to high school wow so he was you know he was there he was hanging out he was living in New Haven yeah Um, I once saw a
0: tweet that was like uh, kids whose parents worked at your school were like the first nepo babies that you'll ever encounter in your life (laughs) and I'm one of them I'm a nepo baby at my school (laughs)
1: I actually just watched a sketch from last night's SNL where I will I will admit that this was like a funny one. It was Dakota Johnson and the Please Don't Destroy boys. Mm-hmm. And they were like r- ribbing each other back and forth. And then she's like, who did you call to get this job? Your daddy. And then he's like, do you really want to go there? Do you want to like open up the nepotism and she's like no i don't actually <laughs> and then they all put their nepo rings together and they go foot in the door and so much more <laughs> and then the redhead of one tries to like join in and they're just like no, no. <laughs> yeah and that's how you handle it that's exactly that's how you, you handle it you just and she on it i think she's maybe addressed it before like she yeah. just doesn't care she's not like oh but like I'm a star, like, don't talk about it. She's just like, yes, and,
0: like... Yeah, my mom is Melanie Griffith, what about it? My dad is Don Johnson,
1: what about it? What about it? Yeah. My stepdaddy is Antonio Antonio Banderas. Banderas. What about it? What about it? (laughs) So, it is what it is. But, back to Big Fat Liar. So, the limo driver luckily gives a shit about his life, and... (laughs) Marty rolls down his window. He's, like, in the mix now. And Jason's like, can you just give me a ride? It's right down the road. Like, you're lucky I don't sue you for whiplash. Actually, my (sighs) neck does (sighs) feel pretty stiff. (laughs) And Marty's like, fine, get in the fucking car. So Jason climbs over him, just spilling out his backpack contents. Mm -hmm. Like, letting it all hang loose. And... (laughs) He's like, man, if you only knew the day I had. Baldry Marty goes, yeah, it must be really, really tough to be 11. <laughs> and they also, upon oh. him sitting down, like crosses his leg. They look very identical mm-hmm. um, in their postures. These two are so well
0: matched in the battle yeah. of wits. It's. It's such a delight to watch the way that they bounce off each other. Because obviously, mm-hmm. like, Marty Wolf has razor-sharp wit. Like, you can't deny.
1: Yes, yes.
0: But Jason Shepard holds his own.
1: He does. Yeah, he does. So Jason corrects him. He's like, "I actually, I'm 14. They introduce each other. And Marty's like, um, famous Hollywood producer. I'm in town shooting a movie. And Jason's like, oh yeah, you know, no offense, but you've been flopping the past few years. You're in your flop era, Marty Wolf. Literally. And he just goes, Well, everyone has a dry spell, Ebert. And I'm like, oh, singer. And you know what's funny?
0: So I, you know, the the critical response on Rotten Tomatoes, not amazing. It's like 45%. And I'm like, you guys don't know uh, real cinema. Right. But you know who gave this movie? Two thumbs up. Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Mm. He said in his review for the Chicago Sun-Times, give it a three out of four, and said, a surprisingly surprisingly entertaining movie ideal for younger kids and not painful for their parents.
1: Wow. So there you go. And honestly, that's very generous from him. Extremely. (laughs) And Marty's like, you know, it takes just one hit to get you back on top. To which Christina wrote in parentheses, oh, to be a man in Hollywood. (laughs) See you one flop as a woman, they're like, you're never, Never. ever, ever getting another chance, bitch. Even if you do have, you know, critical success or even moderate
0: box office success, they're still like, "Mm, I'm not too sure. The fact that – talking about Nepo babies – the fact that Sophia Coppola had to fight so hard just to get the small budget that she did have for Priscilla. Like, if Sophia Coppola can't even secure funding, what hope? That's crazy. What hope
1: is there for anyone else? I didn't know she had trouble getting funding.
0: Yeah, she wanted to shoot it on film also, but, like, they, could,
1: they couldn't get a big enough budget to do so. Damn. Yeah. So – Jason says that's what he's trying to do with the story he's handing in and explains the situation. He's like, yeah, I'm also and, in my flop era. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, and you had to spend all night in, in the hospital with your pa- – and he's like, yeah, exactly. And he's like, all right, here's what you should have done. Forged a doctor's note, made your dad your sister, and made the meatball a chicken wing. It's much easier to swallow. And, you know – The master teaches the apprentice. Mm -hmm. They arrive at the community college, and he's like, God bless you, Jared. And he's like, it's Jason. And it always will be. Now, you keep practicing those lies, Jimmy, because you can take it from me. The truth, it's overrated. Now, get out. I got a movie to produce. (laughs) And he runs off, and Marty sees Jason's big fat liar paper sitting in his car, and he starts reading, and he's like, "Um, driver, go back to set and step on it." Wow! Mm. Wow! Wow!
0: Paul Giamatti also like he does a lot of yelling in this movie, but he strikes such a perfect balance between like he like his yelling doesn't ever become annoying. In the sense where it's like, oh, I hate watching this performance. Like Marty Wolf yeah. is an annoying person, but like, though, yeah the the balance that he strikes when he does use the yelling and on which words he chooses to use it on, I think is very effective.
1: I think it's good. Yeah, yeah, he makes good choices.
0: Mm-hmm. So we go to to Marty Wolf's set. Uh, it's some sort of like Turner and Hooch rip off <laughs> called Foul
1: and Whitaker. <laughs> That's so true. I. That Turner and Hooch is one of my favorite movies. I didn't even think about that. That is exactly what it is. It's definitely like not a reference
0: or a joke that I understood as a kid because I had no idea what Turner and Hooch was. But then like watching it when I got older, I was like, oh, that's what this is like parodying. So, yeah, it's uh, Fowl and Whitaker starring Jaleel White playing himself, uh, you know, known as the actor who played Urkel back in the day, starring him and a chicken. So, Marty and Jaleel end up getting into a fight because, A, Marty keeps calling him Urkel. (laughs) And, B, this movie is fucking insane. Jaleel refuses to act alongside a chicken who is giving him nothing. Like, what is my motivation? And Marty tells him that his motivation is a big fat paycheck keeping him from working at McDonald's. So, Jaleel says, hey, watch yourself. And Marty says, no, you better watch yourself, pal. You're lucky I'm not putting you back in the Urkel costume. Jeez. So just a little taste of Marty Wolf.
1: <laughs> um, he sucks. Mm-hmm. Back to Jason. Jason is trying to explain to Miss Caldwell and his parents why he doesn't have the paper and his run-in with Marty Wolf. But of course, they don't believe him because he has never been honest in his life. And this sounds insane. <laughs> right. So Jason... We'll be going to summer school. Yeah. Don't don't. <laughs> um, it's bleak. Yeah. Jason is in a basement with this teacher who's like, we have a fish eye lens on him, and he's like, <laughs> we're going to talk about one of the most important punctuations: the semicolon, and it's like horrific in a way and incredibly boring. And he's also next to Brett, the bully. Yeah. There's also a guy sitting across from him. um, He's a ferret. Yeah,
0: with a ferret in his jacket. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. (laughs) People are so weird. Yeah. So after a lovely little day at summer school, Jason goes to the movies with Kaylee, shocked that he's not, like, grounded. (laughs) He can just still hang out with friends that would not be me if i failed a class let me tell you but he is complaining about summer school and she's like yeah you think that's bad like my parents are going on an adventure they're going on a river rafting trip in the grand canyon without me and i have to stay with my grandma pearl and jason says well you can hang out at my place for exposition's sake." My parents are taking a long weekend at a health spa for their anniversary, so they'll be gone from Thursday through (laughs) Sunday. Thank you for that information. scene. So they sit down and a trailer comes on and we hear Mr. Moviephone himself, in a time when a little lie can grow bigger, stomp, stomp, stomp. (laughs) and bigger (laughs) one man will pay the price next summer people everywhere will stop and stare Marty Wolf Pictures presents Kenny Trooper the big fat liar (gasps) Jason is too stunned to speak also in what world are we putting on a teaser that early (laughs)
1: yeah next summer he got the paper what let's let's say
0: like a week passed in between marty getting the paper and this trailer coming out
1: do you think it's his first day of summer school i was thinking maybe there had been some time maybe it's it's unclear but i can't imagine that that much time has passed yeah yeah i don't know So at home that evening, Jason is trying to tell his parents again that he was telling the truth when Marty actually comes on TV talking about Big Fat Liar and he like turns it on, turns up the volume. And when asked how he came up with the idea, he just spouts some crap about how it came to him. He's like, you know, all the best ideas just like come to you. And then he's like, yeah, from my backpack, you loser. (laughs) But, of course, Jason's parents still don't trust him. Yeah, very, you
0: know, earnest, somber moment where the dad's like, I'm sorry, but I just don't trust you anymore.
1: I'm sorry, bud, but when you lied about me choking on a Swedish (laughs) meatball, that was the last straw. Yeah. Meanwhile... Kaylee is tutoring Brett on Catcher in the Rye and Jason busts in and he's like, pack your bags. We're going on a trip. Upstairs in Kaylee's room, Jason starts putting Kaylee's belongings in a bag and she's like, no, no, no. I can't just go to LA. But Jason's like, I can't stand my parents thinking I'm a liar and I'm not going to rest until I get Wolf to admit it to them. And I'm like, Wow. I'm like, if you're going that far, sue him. Right? (laughs) You're going all the way to LA just to get him to tell your dad you're telling the truth? Yeah. He is like, listen, I have three years of yard work and babysitting money. Our flight leaves in two hours. And Kaylee's like, what about my grandma Pearl? And Jason's like, she does not know what year it is. (laughs) Okay? Kaylee's like, she's going to notice if I don't show up at all. And then they hear Brett calling from downstairs, asking for a plunger. He's like a literal child. Yeah. So
0: Jason gets an idea. Yeah, naturally, the idea is that we're going to get Brett to pretend to be Kaylee. hmm Brett's going to be the stand-in for the next four days. So the deal is they'll do all his summer school homework if he dresses up in Kaylee's clothes and lives with Grandma Pearl. Brett goes up to the door and we see the teeniest, tiniest, most senile woman you've ever met in your life. And she's like, who's there? I've got a gun. And Brett says, it's just Kaylee, Grandma. She's (laughs) like, wow, Kaylee, you're so tall and so muscular. And Brett's like, (laughs) me? Like... You know, I I'm benching Thank like you, I'm benching grandma. like two thirty, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Good for you." And they have a little hug, and and he goes,
1: "Oh God." So Jason and Kaylee arrive. They hop off the plane at LAX with a dream and a cardigan. And Jason spots a driver played by Donald Faison, who we come to find out is Frank. And he's holding a sign for Mr. Stroog. So Jason's like, Kaylee, that's our ride. Follow my lead. Hi, Mr. (laughs) Stroog. And (laughs) on site, I would be like livid at this kid if you tried to fuck with me. Yeah. So Frank laughs at first and he's like, hmm, you're kind of young to be the biggest fur coat distributor of the Midwest. And Jason's like, yeah, family business. (laughs) I've been selling pelts since I was a baby. Mm.
0: Even Mm. coos. Like, are you kidding me?
1: (laughs) And Frank is like, okay. And then Jason's like, "Um, we want to do some sightseeing before we start covering this town in fur. So who is Frank to dispute (laughs) the fur king of the Midwest? I'm like, at this point, Frank, it's on you. It's on you. <laughs> and as they walk out, we see the real Fur King himself looking for his driver and his huge, audacious fur coat. <laughs> yeah. So, first stop
0: on the tour, they're like, take us to Universal Studios. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to go on the studio tour. <laughs>
0: So they go on the lot tour, which I have taken. It is very fun, I will say. I've enjoyed my time on Universal Studios lot tour. You were like, I love the Universal Studios lot tour. I've done that. I've done the Warner Brothers lot tour, which is cool because you can see Stars Ooh. Hollow. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so Jason reveals that his plan is they, they take this tour. They hop on the tram. Once they get to Wolf's building – they're just going to jump off the tram, storm the office, and make him admit that he stole the story. Sounds easy enough. Foolproof. So whilst on the tour, they do eventually jump off the tram onto what looks like a, live, like a hot set. And I'm like, in no world, while they're actually filming something, is a tram fucking of tourists <laughs> going by. Like, this yeah. is a hot set. These mics are hot. Mm-hmm. They're
1: steaming. Mm-hmm.
0: They are initially spotted by a security guard, so they do have to jump on a moving set piece and escape and... Obviously, like, this movie does a lot of parodying of various genres, but it also, at the same time, it does feel a little bit like a love letter to, you know, the magic of the movies. And I do love this part when they're walking (laughs) through the lot and you hear, like, the triumphant music and you see all the actors and all their, like, various costumes. I'm like, there must be 8 million movies that they're filming at once here because (laughs) in no world do any of these costumes go together. Like, there are gorillas in tutus and like feathers there are astronauts there are mm-hmm. belly dancers like it's just crazy
1: but i do love it i'm like wow well, no, the magic I love of it.
0: hollywood
1: <laughs> the way amanda binds is ooing and aahing yeah. at every sight to see i was like i'm indian to the theater <laughs> and she's like oh <gasps> just like young and starry-eyed and i'm like they're like how cool is this And i'm like it is so cool i'm smoking a long cigarette i'm going (laughs) we come to this place to laugh (laughs) to cry heartbreak feels good good in a place place like like this this. (laughs) so for sure it worked yeah and then eventually we make our way to marty wolf pictures which i guess is like a subsidiary of universal i really don't know because i'm like why are why is this building on the lot? yeah like it's, is it's it a sound in the stage. universal
0: like property supposedly because mm-hmm. the only way to so get to it is by you know running through the set <laughs> so i right, don't know right very strange
1: It is very weird. Mm -hmm. And we just hear the receptionist being like, Marty Wolf pictures, please please hold. hold. And Jason and Kaylee go up to the receptionist, Astrid, not to be confused with Astrid. (laughs) (laughs) And she asks if they have an appointment, and Jason just goes, Astrid, what kind of sick (laughs) world is it where children... Need an appointment to see their own father. And Astrid says, Mr. Wolf doesn't have children. And he's like, not that he knows of. (laughs) This is going to be an emotional reunion for us. So once I get in there, you should probably hold Papa's calls. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can't say he's not quick on his feet because my God. And he is – like this is why Malcolm in the Middle was so good. Mm-hmm. Because it was always him he playing the genius and like rolling along. Smarter than the adults, like all the adults are incompetent. Like that's that's Frankie Muniz's shtick. Mm-hmm. And Astrid says, Mr. Wolf doesn't see anyone without an appointment. So while she's answering another call, Jason scans the perimeter, <laughs> sees what he can find that would be useful. And, of course, he notices all of the dog memorabilia on her desk and sees her car keys. Dog on the key chain. We got a dog lover in the house. Mm -hmm.
0: Big time. Desktop behind her, picture of her with a huge German shepherd. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, Jason and Kaylee then sneak into, like, a little side office somehow. And Kaylee calls the front desk, pretending to be Doris from Parking. Letting her know, ma'am, your your Saturn is parked on. She's like, what? And he's like, parked on a dog. And she's like, I'm not saying that. And he's like, parked on a dog. And she's like, on a dog. And Asher's like, <laughs> and Asher what? literally goes, what? What,
1: are you, what are you
0: talking about? <laughs> Poor Astrid, man. She's just trying to have her work day, and all of a sudden she thinks she's mm. killed a dog. And Jason, yeah. he, like, pulls out a little, you know, garbage can and is going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm, coming. I'm coming, hold on, think, think happy thoughts, go to your happy place, and runs out the door. Yeah. So Jason sneaks up to Marty's office, and Kaylee decides to just sit down at Astrid's desk and take over the phone
1: so we go to marty's office and he is just blasting his assistant to find his personal organizer because it is his life and if she's lost it then she's killed him draw a line of chalk around me baby because i am dead (laughs) (laughs) and monty marty's assistant is like Did you check your jacket pocket? Because there was one time when, and Marty is like, okay. Okay, okay, (laughs) okay. Like, if it'll make you happy, I'll check my jacket pocket. And, of course, it is in there. Mm -hmm. Jason then announces himself to the room, (laughs) and he's like, remember me, Jason Shepard, author of Big Fat Liar? Mm Mm-hmm. Marty was too stunned to speak, and he tells Monty, hold my calls. Um, I'm going to need a moment alone with Jason. And Marty is like, well, this is quite a surprise. And Jason's like, well, I just want you to call my dad and tell him that you stole the story from me. And Marty is shocked that he flew here all the way from Michigan just so he can have him call his dad and tell him he did his homework. And Jason's like, just make this one phone call and you'll never have to hear from me again. Mm. So Marty agrees. He goes to his safe, pulls out the original story, and tells him it's a great piece of work. You know, I refer back to it whenever I get into a bind with the script. And Jason's like, oh, wow, you'll give it back to me and make the phone call? And he's Marty's like, that's the least I can do. He's like, you smoke, kid. (laughs) And he's like, I am 14, Wolf. (laughs) So he lights up a cigar and then drops the match on the paper. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no, it's burning. I'll try to stamp it out with my lit cigar. Oh, no. It, like, falls into the waste bin. Mm -hmm. And... He, like, dumps alcohol on it, so obviously it's, like, whoosh. Yeah. Goes up in flames, all evidence gone forever. If only it wasn't handwritten. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> if only he had written it on the net. hmm Jason is like, you're sick. All <laughs> I wanted was for you to call my dad. Yeah. It could be so much worse, Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, it really he could. could sue your ass. <laughs> And Marty's like, this is Hollywood, baby. It's a dog-eat-dog town. Worse, we got cats eating cats. We got fish munching fish.
0: <laughs> and Jason's we got fish like, munching fish. Like the way that he does it is so good.
1: <laughs> the delivery is impeccable. Yeah. And Jason's like, I'm not leaving till you make that call. And Marty calls Rocco, head of security, to get Jason escorted off the premises. But before that, Jason manages to steal Marty's personal organizer and puts on, like, a big show as he's dragged off. The drama. These two, peas in a pod. Drama kings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got cats eating cats. Fishy and fish. Fish munching fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. So we go
0: downstairs where Kaylee is, you know, doing the job she was born to do. Just handling these phone calls.
1: Marty Wolf pictures, please hold.
0: Yeah, handling it like a pro. She's like, thanks for holding. Can you spell Soderbergh for me? Uh Uh-huh, thanks, Steven. I'll have Mr. Wolf return. (laughs) Incredible. So, Jason gets dragged out of the building. Astrid comes back from her car fiasco. Kaylee is like, oh... Hey Astrid, uh, Adam Sandler called to set up a lunch. I sent some flowers to Meg Ryan. She sounded like she had a little cold, and I scheduled <laughs> you a deep body massage for three o'clock. You look like you could use a little you time.
1: Yeah, after like making her think she killed her favorite yeah. animal. Yeah, this
0: uh, literal child walks off, and Ast- Astrid just goes, "Thank you, kind
1: stranger." <laughs> Outside, Jason. I love how you use the term wigged out. (laughs) Jason is all wigged out from his wolf (laughs) encounter and it being a fishy fish town. (laughs) But he's not going home until Wolf admits the truth. And he'll do it. Because now he has his life in the palm of his hand and shows the Palm Pilot. Yeah. (laughs) I like the way you took the notes for that. (laughs) my uh my editorializing just to really condense it all and he'll do it because now he has his life in the palm of his hand which is verbatim he does say that yeah Yeah. i wish that we grew up in the age of magazines because i think that we could just like kill being two um like editors Mm. on a magazine oh my god like like two writers for like 17 Cosmo magazine 17 oh yeah. my god i like, would
0: eat that i would i would
1: actually murder that job i would be so good at it you should read <laughs> well i don't know if it, if it's your cup of tea but like i did read a book about um a notable like i like forgetting her name off the top of my head but the book is called how i murdered my life mm-hmm. and she was an editor for like chain and mm-hmm other, you know, prominent teen magazines um, at that time. And she also was dealing with like a drug addiction and eating disorder and all of this mental health stuff. Um, but it like chronicles like her life Mm. on that scene. And it does sound like it was an awesome time to work in a magazine. (laughs) Yeah. Like
0: so Well we we do need, I mean this is like uh not to get, you know, too much into the 10 year olds at Sephora conversation, but Like, there does need to be, like, content targeted, like, for teenagers because otherwise they're just going to be consuming, like, adult content and, like, they're growing Mm -hmm. up too fast. Like, it's a whole long conversation, but publications like Tiger Beat and Seventeen and all of those are, like, super important for, like, teenagers to have, especially, like, getting to read, you know, like, reader-submitted stories or, like, you know, needing advice on certain topics. Like yeah. That kind of content is really important and not there's it now, there's a void because they're all gone. And that's why we have 10 year olds at Sephora.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, that's cool if you're like, this is my self expression. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, I just need makeup to look good and that's how I need to like present myself and like be in the world, like, and buying like drunk elephant anti aging products. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. But, when I was a kid, I was, like, reading American Girl magazine, and I loved it. I was, like, there were different sections. It would be, like, I had gotten to an argument with my friend. I was getting bullied at my new school, but then I found, like, someone who mm-hmm. I related to. Like, it was so pure yeah, and not, like, perfect or anything. Like, you know, I felt like I was being – Mm -hmm. And now there's so much, like, yeah, just media pointed in all different directions. Like, it doesn't feel like there's, oh, here's some good stuff for the 8 to 12-year-old range. Yeah, like the preteen gap. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. But I guess this is how prior generations probably felt when – because, like, when we were growing – Or sorry, before us, there were like, oh, you lived in a community and you went out and played together, and there were no cell phones. Right, everyone's just like playing, and then it got dark, and you would go home. Mm -hmm. And then we had like cell phones, and then we were getting like cyberbullied. Yeah, (laughs) and like it just yeah, you know, the cycle continues. Times arrow marches
0: forward. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: but it did feel. I don't know what how preteens feel now but at least back in the day like yeah it felt like there was stuff for us to mm-hmm. fodder if you will yeah there were books the books were so lame but like amazing mm. oh i have a i have a question for you um yeah this is so off
0: topic but like what was your when you were like a kid or a teen pre-teen, what like historical thing was your like obsession for me it was mary queen of scots like i was obsessed with her and i used to read all about her i also had like a brief like titanic moment but like yeah mary queen of scots was mine what was yours
1: i think it was like it was it's hard to say because i i read like realistic fiction there was a series so i would read like one about a girl who was deaf when they just first had like schools for the deaf and like but i think honestly the what i remember the most was the triangle shirtwaist factory
0: mm, yeah like it
1: always comes back to the triangle shirtwaist factory cuz yeah. like i the samantha movie that was like the whole thing like the sweatshops and i also remember like reading a book of uh, an italian immigrant who she had to quit school so she could work at the factory And then how crazy that we were then in in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Yeah. Yeah. That that
0: is pretty insane. For those who don't know, like, that is where the NYU campus is. And, like, there's a Mm -hmm. building there where we, like, had to take classes. So.
1: Yeah. Pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the one I remember the most. I don't think I went much further, though. Like, I don't – I remember – Doing research on like Yugoslavia because mm-hmm. that's where my mom came from <laughs> yeah there's like a lot of history with that but I mean other than that like I w- I was really interested in the migration west I was like Lewis uh what what's the t- the team Lewis and Clark Lewis and Clark Sacagawea. Mm-hmm. I was like hit, what like do you want to play? The Pioneer Game. Fucking. Yeah. That was pretty. I was pretty into that too. Not Manifest Destiny, but just like the whole thing. And that was also another American girl. There was an American girl who was like, damn. But you were obsessed with Mary Queen <laughs> yeah so i don't know if you you
0: ever read like the horrible histories books when you were in like middle school elementary school no
1: i don't think i did
0: um so there was the horrible histories but then there's also a series called deadly famous and that would focus on like one (laughs) oh my god person in particular and i read the cleopatra one and i loved it i also had like a cleopatra moment too and then i read the mary queen of scots one and i probably read that book like 20 times i was obsessed with it oh my god and then i would just like read about her all the time uh i also watched the you know very historically inaccurate show on the cw reign but i did love it um starring adelaide kane as mary queen of scots herself but yeah i like would just spend hours and hours and hours like reading everything i could about this woman because she's so fascinating to me um and you know beheaded by her own cousin queen elizabeth she had a she had a very sad rough life Mary, queen of scots but anyways um that being said we need to get kids back into history (laughs) we need to get them back into we need to get tiger beat and j14 and all of those 17 magazine back on the shelves
1: i agree i agree and you know what while we're at it Let's put the freaking quizzes back in Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Okay? Because I still buy those, Mm -hmm. and I want to do a fucking quiz. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? Absolutely. And you know who's buying Cosmos? Millennials. And if there's anything that millennials love, it's a quiz. Yeah. At least give me one of those charts where it's like, you wake up in the morning, what do you do? Make a stack of pancakes, grab a power bar and go. And then you like follow the thingy, and it's like- you're an early bird. You're a night owl. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the fucking answers. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Let me write the magazine. Uh, with that oh, being God. said, I guess, should we get back to this? Movie? Yeah, anyways, the podcast or yeah. whatever. Was I talking? Yes. Yeah, I was. Okay. <laughs> so Kaylee is pissed that Jason is stealing now. And Jason's like, no, 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 we're just borrowing. Give me one day, and I'll find a way to use this info against him. I'm like, drain his bank account. Nobody said that. Yeah, Who said that? (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) And Kaylee's like, all right. And Jason's like, we can't go home until my dad knows the truth. He looked at me like I wasn't his kid anymore. And I'm like, if that's the first time your dad has looked at you like that, damn, I wish I was you. um so okay. <laughs> consider yourself oh lucky jason I'm shepherd fine. i'm fine i my parents both love me very much mm. i just i can get a little touchy when i see people whose parents are very like outwardly loving toward right. them right right and i'm like oh okay fuck baby what you need to be coddled you need be your sure. mommy and daddy to tell you they love you all the time <laughs> damn girl fucking backbone (laughs) (laughs) So i'm so sorry i literally do get pissed off though i'm like but like and i can acknowledge it now where i'm like you're like oh i know where this Uh, is coming from well yeah Yeah. i'm like i over here like like josh's dad will be like so son like how's the new job going he's like oh this and this and he's like asking him questions i'm like Oh, you need to tell your daddy? How's your (laughs) job? You're like, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, let me take a step back. Let me take a breath. Um, Yeah.
0: No, no, it's not good.
1: (laughs) But Kaylee is like, have you thought about – I actually love this line. She goes, have you thought about, you know, food or a place to sleep? And he's like, we're going to hide in the wardrobe and prop warehouse. (laughs) And they don't—they do not eat one time in this whole movie. No, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that because after she says that, I was like, "Wait a, wait a damn second. Yeah, and not once. <laughs> and um, yeah, Christina goes, "This was literally my dream as a kid." Yeah, this looks fun as hell. Are you kidding me? I still want to like really do this. Fun. Can
0: you imagine gallivanting through the Universal Studios. Yeah. Costume and prop department.
1: I would love, love. Yeah. Okay. And not only that, but like just wandering around on the set like after hours yeah. and stuff. And the song that's playing, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, ah, I wish this night would never end. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's so fun. Do, do, yeah. Do, do. Yeah. My dream as a kid. Um, I don't know if they still do this, but you used to be able to go to the American Girl place and you could actually pay to do a sleepover.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. I, and it, like at this American Girl place in New York, mm. but um, I don't know if they still do it, but you could pay to have a sleepover. And I was like, oh, my God, that is my dream birthday to pay to do a sleepover at American Girl place. You
0: know what we should do? We should go and have tea at the American Girl Store. You know, where you they like give you a
1: doll and like you have a whole like tea at the American Girl Store? Did I do that for my actual birthday as a child? I absolutely did. Me and yeah. my mom went together. We did it. So, hey, if you're here, Mang, I, I will be. And we want to have a little tea. Yeah, take a little trip. I have two dolls. I have great. two American Girl dolls.
0: We're set. We're done. We, only have, we don't have to use any one of the, the dolls that you can rent or whatever. I don't know if they just give yeah. one to you. But they just give yeah. it to you.
1: They're like, $15, please. A, but you have to be on time because yeah. I actually – me and my friends were going to do the, like, brunch. Yeah. Um, And then we were actually late, and mm. they were like, you, you lost your reservation. Oh, my God. Devastating. Well, yeah. we will be on time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> – Again, back to the movie. In the morning, Kaylee wakes up to find Jason absolutely blasted (laughs) on free Coke from the vending machine. And he calls Frank and asks him to meet them at the studio gate in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah. So Frank pulls up and Jason says something stupid like, got a lot of fur to sell today, Frank. And Frank's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. So the kids get in the limo and he just turns around and goes, co King of the Midwest, my butt, and says, <laughs> I have some R-rated dialogue for you, but I'm going to keep it PG. You owe me $100 for yesterday's ride. You almost – A co- bargain. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you almost cost me my job. And Jason apologizes and says that they came out here to get even with Marty Wolf and Frank is like, whoa, 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 whoa. hey, 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 hey. Did you say Marty Wolf? And like, yeah, you know him? He's like, yeah, I used to be his driver. But he fired me last year. Frank explains that he's an actor, pulls out his headshot, and says that he asked Marty if he could audition for one of his movies. And like he's like, you know, he could have just said no, thank you, and like dropped it. But instead, Marty took his headshot, wrote Loser on his forehead, and faxed it to every casting director in town. Wow. That's actually like insanely cruel. Yeah, like you went out of your way. You compiled everybody's numbers from your Rolodex and you fax them a copy of this guy's headshot. You're diabolical. So Frank says that if they want to mess with Wolf, he's got their back.
1: So they've gained an ally. Mm-hmm. And what do they decide to do? Kaylee and Jason get recon on Wolf. He starts his morning off with a swim. It says like 25 laps or something. Yeah. And then there's a big fat liar production meeting. Marty wants the movie to start with a big stunt to hit them like right out of the gate. John Cho, who plays Dusty Wong, the director, <laughs> is this his? He's like, rock and roll, baby. I am ready to partay. Okay. We open 12 different camera angles, smoke ascending from the streets of the city castang birds descending from the (laughs) heavens like winged messengers from above beckoning and marty like cuts him off he's like we can barely afford one camera let alone 12 and he tries to ask like monty about the budget and she's like we are two million over and the studio hasn't approved the new budget tomorrow morning you have a breakfast meeting at marcus duncan's house to get approval Turns out, Duncan is the new president of the studio as of today. And prior to knowing that, Marty is like, "Oh, if Duncan wants to meet with me, he can come to my house." Yeah, blah blah blah. And he's like, "Actually, you need to get that address so we don't don't want to be late." late." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they go into talks about the big stunt. He's like, "I want serious media coverage." Jocelyn, the senior VP of publicity, is like I will be handing that. She is played by Amy, Amy Hill, Hill. Yeah, yes, I've seen her in so many things: mm-hmm. Fifty First Dates, and The Cat and the Hat, just a, a variety of stuff. Yeah, and she's like, "Yep, I will be handling that." And Marty is like. Um, are you sure you're not the senior VP of Twinkies? Oh, my God. And they cut to, like, Monty about to take a bite of her donut, and I'm like, Monty weighs 95 pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that showbiz, baby. <laughs> yeah. Classic 2002 core. Mm-hmm. And he ends the meeting. He's like, what's next? Smash cut to – A stunt, somebody jumping
0: out of a glass window to the street below. Marty goes over to the stunt coordinator, Vince, and he's like, great stunt. Like, I really like that stunt. Yeah. But I think I liked it better the first time I saw it in 1942, you dinosaur. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. He then introduces Vince to Lester Gulb, Golub? 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 That his new effects whiz, who's going to design the stunt on his iBook, and they're going to follow whatever the computer says. And Vince, who's, you know, probably, I don't know, 50s, 60s, something like that. I think that he's like 65. 60s? Yeah. He's like, I don't need a computer to tell me how to do my job. And <laughs> Paul G. Motti, brilliant delivery, just goes, geek boy, ignore father time over here and get work. <laughs> like puts his hand in vince's face i'm like dear god this man is evil but he's so so funny my god (laughs) geek boy ignore (laughs) father Father (laughs) time he even is like and by the looks of you you don't have much of a social life so you guys can sit down and finalize it tomorrow (laughs) oh my god so vince is like well actually marty i'm taking a personal day tomorrow I am taking my granddaughter to a birthday party and he shows Marty the invitation. It's like a blue clown with orange hair for Aaron's birthday party. And Marty jokes around with the invite being like, oh, look how cute. Ha, ha And then like rips it up. Disgusting. And he says, see, this is the movie business, grandpa. The talkies, you know, you can take your personal day in a year or two
1: when you're dead. That's crazy. Like, actually, but. diabolical. So, back at the warehouse, Jason is like, We are dealing with the meanest man alive. <laughs> all right. They decide to gather supplies and go through a checklist. They're like, Blue dye, check. Super glue, check. And then, as they're going up and down the rows, gathering all this stuff, Kaylee sees an ET figurine and she's like, Oh my God. Grandma, grandma pearl, pearl. <laughs> brett must be in a living hell right now cut to grandma pearl holding brett's legs down while he does like sit-ups on the couch <laughs> and she's like hey kaylee how many more of these and she and brett's like i gotta stay ripped grandma <laughs> and he's like you know what you should think about getting yourself into shape and he coaches her as he she lifts like the yarn dumbbells <laughs> yeah. that, she, that he's made her. He's like, it's all you. I ain't helping. I ain't helping. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh,
0: so good. So we go back to later on in the warehouse. Jason is playing with a little pinball machine. Kaylee is jumping up and down on a Velcro wall, which between seeing it in this and in that very special episode of Lizzie McGuire – I can't tell you how much as a kid I desperately wanted to jump onto a velcro wall. It's never happened for me. Mm-hmm. I hope one day it will. <laughs> However, I feel that my opportunity has probably passed itself. <laughs> I don't know.
1: You know, there are places like like you've seen, you've heard of trampoline parks before. Yeah. Yeah, usually at that at those places they will also have a velcro <gasps> wall. Oh my god. So. Food for thought. Yeah. I'll have to. If we ever want to go to.
0: Investigate. Yeah. Anyways, she's having the time of her life jumping up and down on this thing. And Jason gets a phone call from his father, Harry Shepard. Luckily, with some cheeky little phone forwarding, it goes to his cell phone. And he's like, hey, son, I just wanted to check in because you looked really upset when we left. And. Jason is like, yeah, you know, I totally get what you said about the whole trust thing. And when you get back, I think you'll see that I've been trying really hard to earn it. And Harry's like, I'm glad to hear it, son. Have a good night. So they hang up and Kaylee then gets like stuck on the Velcro wall. So Jason has to come and peel her off. And he thanks her for coming out here with him. And she's like, I came for the adventure, remember? He's like,
1: yeah, right. Mm -mm. Mm. Despite just the fact that it happens in every movie, like there is no romantic connection between Kaylee and Jason. Which I appreciate. Like it's not necessary. No, don't need it. So we go to phase two, the takedown. So Frank drops the kids off at Marty's house and we see Amanda Bynes wearing the iconic Feather trimmed orange cardigan. Yeah. Looking fab in some like shades. She has like a slightly cropped top on, capris. Yeah. Earlier in this movie, she is wearing flip flops to the movie theater. And I'm like, wow. Remember when flip flops could be worn as a shoe and it was acceptable? Yeah. I used to do that all the time in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. But alas. <laughs> um, Marty wakes up next to his stuffed animal, m- monkey, Mr. Funny Bones. The only thing that he loves in this world, seems. Yeah. This was a
0: later edition. They did not initially have Mr. Oh, Funny really? Bones. But they were like, we need just one little element to humanize him just a little bit so that we have yeah, they stakes did. later on. Like, they, they were trying to figure out how to, like, really drive him so insane that he would chase after Jason, and like, end up on that rooftop. And it only made sense for it to be, like, him chasing after the one thing that he actually has any sort of positive feeling towards.
1: Right, right. I agree. They needed, like, to show that he can experience love. Yeah. <laughs> so, at the pool, Jason dumps a bottle of Blue Dye 30 in the pool and – Marty starts blasting the song. (laughs) Also known as Hungry Like a Wolf by Duran Duran. Yeah. Don't know any of the lyrics besides.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And
1: he dances his way to the pool in his little Burberry swim shorts. Oh, my God. Marty.
0: Yeah. They did, like, two takes. Mm-hmm. Initially, they were like, hey, do you want to talk about this scene? And Paul's like, nope. Uh, I'm just going to get there. I'm going to do my thing. You let me know if you like it or not. And he just <laughs> – he went for it. And they were like, cut. Perfect. Send it. This scene
1: <laughs> walked mm-hmm. so that fucking – Bear, uh, Barry Keo. Oh, murder on the dance floor, salt burn. Murder on the dance. Yeah. So that could yeah. run.
0: Yeah. Paul Giamatti did it
1: first mm-hmm. in his little Burberry shorts. Yes. Jason, meanwhile, puts super glue on Marty's earpiece. Kaylee puts orange dye into his shampoo. Marty emerges from the pool, blue as a blueberry. Mm -hmm. dancing with Mr. Funny Bones while the kids escape. Marty is in the shower. He's still dancing. He's still rocking out, Mm -hmm. closing his eyes, shampooing his hair, his eyebrows, his mustache, and his beard. They had to do that. Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, got to get the full goatee. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And finally looks at his hands in the shower, and he's like, oh, my God. Yeah, heard all through the Hollywood Hills. We get the beautiful, like, in-the-mirror look, jaw drop. Mm Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah, they used, um, they had to, like, spray him
0: with this paint. I think it took, like, three hours every day. Mm. Super painful and uncomfortable, I'm sure. And also, it took a very long time for the dye to fade from his feet, specifically. Like, his feet were still blue for, like, months after this movie. (laughs) yeah, we then go to Frank's limo and Kaylee puts on another fake voice to do a fake phone call or a real phone call, I guess. Um, she calls Monty from the limo and she's like, Oh my God, I'm calling from Marcus Duncan's office. You will not believe I was sitting last night and watching the new episode of whatever the fuck she's watching. I can't remember. And I realized I forgot to give you Duncan's new address. And she pulls out the ripped up clown birthday party card and reads out the address for the birthday party. Monty then calls Marty and she's like, Hey, I thank God I caught you. Like, Duncan moved. I have to give you a new address. And he tells her, Cancel the meeting and have a makeup artist meet me at my office. And she's like, Marty. If Duncan doesn't approve the new budget today, then we can't start shooting tomorrow. And he tries to, like, tell her a little bit about the situation. He's like, I'm blue. And she's like, we all have those days. And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) But he's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's fine. Give me the address. And he's like, by the way, have you finished writing the movie, like, the end of the script? Because she's been actually writing the script and not Marty. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it, but I could really use some help. And he's like, well, I'm busy writing and producing a major motion picture. Writing the script is your job. <laughs> so after that delightful little call that would absolutely be an HR violation anywhere else, uh, he tries to rip out his earpiece, but it's, of course, stuck with the super glue. <gasps> And he almost gets fucking T boned by a grandma on the road, and she just yells, like, up yours, blue boy, or something offensive like that. Or she flips him off. I can't remember. How
1: offensive a
0: blue boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the up yours that's the offensive yeah, part. Yeah. But yeah.
1: <laughs> so Marty rolls up to the party, and a housekeeper opens the door and lets him in. They're not speaking the same language. She speaks Spanish. He does Quite not. Literally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um Kaylee and Jason also show up with the codes to Marty's car. That doesn't even make a lick of sense to me. Actually, actually I'm lying. You might keep them in his palm I do pilot. remember. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. But I was just thinking like most cars don't have a code. Right. But that's I mean some do. So whatever.
0: Yeah maybe it's like a oh he has a fancy car like you can yeah you don't need a key like there's the cars where you can open it with like a thumbprint or whatever that mm-hmm. was like all the rage
1: yeah so inside the housekeeper tells Marty that he likes to play a little rough <laughs> and Marty's like I invented the word rough and the housekeeper's like I don't know what you're saying mm-hmm. <laughs> And he opens the door to the kid's birthday. Immediately, the boy tackles him and the rest of the kids start piling on. Outside, Kaylee and Jason, they rewire the car, but like (laughs) using the manual so that they're like, oh, we're going to like do this to this and this to this. Mm -hmm. And Marty tells the kids, bring it on and like tries to fight them off. The birthday boy ends up Getting up on this like upper balcony level and just absolutely, yeah. Uh, what is what's it called? Cannonballing mm. and just crushing him. Yeah, yeah. Marty does leave, and the real clown shows up. Yeah, and he tells Monty that wasn't Duncan's house. You need to set me up a meeting with Duncan.
0: Yeah, so Marty gets in his blue car, <laughs> starts driving. But of course, when he hits like the gas, the horn starts honking, and he tries to get it to stop. But then the windshield wipers start going, and then we get one of the most iconic needle drops of all time, which is "I'm blue, da ba dee da ba die,
1: da ba dee da ba die." Before playing this film, I did tell Josh that (laughs) that this is where the song comes from. (laughs) Which isn't true.
0: Just lying. You're a big fat liar. (laughs)
1: Lying.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, the car is going crazy. It's malfunctioning. Right when Marty is about to literally explode, The limo pulls up next to Marty's car and Jason rolls down the window and he's like, hey, I like the new color. And Marty realizes that Jason is behind all of this. Mm -hmm. And Jason's like, yeah, and it can all stop if you make one quick phone call to my dad. And he throws that little piece of paper over with the number 5550147 on it. (laughs) They drive away. Meanwhile, Marty is stuck with his, you know insanely dysfunctional car he's continuing to drive and he sees like the car in front of him stop at a light and it's like the biggest monster truck you've ever seen so he has to slam on his horn slash brake to stop in time which he does but then of course he gets rear-ended by that same old lady who frankly should not have her license and that makes him rear-end the monster truck So this man who I believe his character is literally credited as the Masher. On Wikipedia, it says the Masher, a wrestler and monster truck driver. Mm -hmm. He has a young son who has an identical resemblance to him, who is credited as Darren and is nicknamed Little Mash by his father. And I will say they do look identical. It is kind of crazy. I must assume that they are father and son in real life but all right all
1: right
0: yeah so the masher uh goes and inspects his tire which you know shows no marks of harm to the naked eye but apparently it does to him Mm -hmm. and he screams he's like oh my god like i'm gonna kill you (laughs) and marty's like whoa whoa, man like take it easy i was rear-ended and the old lady, i think this is where she maybe flips him off and yells up yours blue boy i don't know she drives away um, certainly she does. Hit and run. And the masher gets into his car and starts driving off. Car, oh, in getaway
1: car. And the, in the mountain mountain bar bar, for the, the money, money in the bag and I stole the key. And that was l- the last time you ever saw me. Ever saw me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he gets in his getaway car and starts driving <laughs> off and Marty's like, "Yeah, not so tough are you, pal?" But he turns around and proceeds to i mean it cuts away so we don't actually see it but like marty is cowering in front of his car and the masher drives over marty and his car somehow and marty makes that alive i don't know in any case the car is destroyed marty does survive though
1: meanwhile monty is meeting with duncan who's of course upset that marty has now missed two meetings with him Monty apologizes and tells him there must be some explanation. Marty's totaled car is being towed away while he rides in the passenger seat and – not in the passenger seat of the car, but like of the tow truck. Yeah. And Monty calls him, asks him where he is, and he's like, I'm not going to make it. Uh, You need to tell him it's your fault and to reschedule. And Monty's like, I'm not going to lie. But Marty tells her if he goes down, she's coming with him. So she's like, okay, fine. Yeah, we
0: also have a great little end cap to this scene, which is the tow truck driver going, they told me I had to pick up a little blue car. (laughs) They didn't say anything about a little blue man. That was in the trailers. Yeah, it was in the trailers. It was also an improv. The guy – who plays this role i forget his name but he's like a very prominent like writer and director he, oh really he wrote like an oscar nominated movie i can't remember what it was <laughs> but yeah so very funny they were just like yeah just you know improv something and that was the line that he came up with so we then go to the uh whitaker and fowl premiere Jaleel White is on the red carpet telling the reporters that he's really excited to finally be taken seriously as an actor. But then the chicken arrives and everyone's like, Move aside, Jaleel. We got to get a shot of the chicken. Everyone is freaking out. <laughs> and the reporter asks, You know, the people can't help but wonder, where is Marty Wolf? Marty then gets off of a local Los Angeles bus. And before he goes into the premiere, Jason is sitting on a bench and says, you ready to end this? And Marty turns around. and He says, you have no idea what you're dealing with.
1: Um, I did look up the guy. Mm-hmm. It is John Gatton. Yes. And uh, yeah, he wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah. So Jason then calls Kaylee,
0: J-Dog, Colin K-Bird. hmm <laughs> And tells her that Marty didn't throw in the towel, so they're moving on to phase three. They're going to their first Hollywood soiree, the Whitaker and Fowl after party.
1: LOL at Keenan Thompson and Dustin Diamond <laughs> being at this party. I did write that. Yeah, yeah. we have like Keenan Thompson and then what what was his name? S- Screech. Screech, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just everyone
0: talking about how bad the movie is. There's also a cameo from the director himself being like, and then it was like, whoa,
1: bad movie. <laughs> so Marty walks up to Duncan and Chandra, who he mistakenly calls Shaniqua. And I'm racist. like, oh, God. Yeah. And he tells Duncan they loved it, but Duncan tells him the movie is a waste of money and he's pulling the plug. And Marty pulls Duncan aside and tells him he's been working on Big Fat Liar all day, but he wanted to wait to give a presentation on what he's been working on. And Duncan is like, I don't know why he even agrees, but he's like, all right, you have one last chance to prove that you're not like full of shit. You're not literally a swindler. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So Marty meets Monty in the kitchen, and she asks him what his big presentation is. And he's like, I have no idea. (laughs) So Jason and Kaylee waltz into the kitchen, and Jason offers to help him. Of course, Marty scoffs, and he's like, oh, yeah, like I need some 10-year-old telling me what to do with my story. So Jason tells him, he created the story, like the least he can come up with are a few good twists. And Monty asks Jason if he really wrote Big Fat Liar. And Marty admits that he wrote an English paper with the same title. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he did it. Yeah. So Kaylee tells Jason not to trust him. And Marty tells Jason if he does this, he will tell his dad that he wrote Big Fat Liar, Aaron Brockovich, and Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> So Jason looks at Monty, looks back at Marty, and smiles. Oh, boy, you can't trust a drifter. Yeah, I
0: don't know why he agrees to help him. He is a kid. He was naive enough to think he could just go to Hollywood and Marty Wolf would be like, yeah, absolutely, I'll call you. I'll admit. I'll call you. I'll admit to theft and plagiarism. Right. So, it's time for Marty to make his presentation. He goes up to the balcony in his home and gets everyone's attention. He says, uh, "Ladies and gentlemen, friends, uh, if I can have your attention for just a moment, please. You're probably all wondering why I'm blue and orange." Ha 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 Just go with me for a second. You see, a uh, big fat liar, BFL Biffle, as it's come to known. It's full of action, romance, effects.
1: Oh, you bet. But what it lacks right now is a message. Trooper's girlfriend makes this new potion, which is supposed to make him shrink. But instead, it causes him to change color. (coughs) Why? (laughs) (laughs) Because now the twist is... He can't even lie about his feelings anymore. You see, his girlfriend, Penny, she, she makes Trooper an
0: antidote, which, instead of curing him, whoa, causes him to change colors.
1: When he's bummed out about stuff, he turns blue. When he's depressed, he turns blue. When he's mad, his hair turns red. And when he's angry, boom, his curly locks
0: could be on the color of a flaming bushfire. When he discovers the ultimate truth, that he's in love with Penny... The softest shade of pink
1: finds its way across his visage. I didn't tell him to say that. Wolf, what are you doing? You're not listening to me. Just stick to the plan. (laughs) (laughs) That's him ripping his earpiece out for those who can't see me.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. The emotions in this movie are just so painful. (laughs) They're painful because they hit home right here. In the old Corazon. <laughs> Who among us hasn't told a little white lie? I have. Anyone else? You? You? Yeah. Guilty. It's <laughs> all right. Don't be ashamed, brother, because I am right there with you. I am right there with you. You're all right, man. Because our picture looks the audience right in the eye and says, enough is enough. A lying has got to stop the truth and the truth alone shall set you free friends god bless you all god bless america god bless big fat liar (laughs) i'm no paul giamatti but i did my best
1: (laughs) the emotions of this movie are just Just so so painful
0: painful. (laughs) (laughs) he truly like marty wolf You can't deny he is a showman. He is a salesman. Yeah. Snake oil. Yeah. And you know what? Gobbledygook, people are eating it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Positively. (laughs) So the crowd cheers. They go wild. Duncan decides, uh, based on this speech alone, not having to look at a single number, he has approved the new budget for shooting. But if anything goes wrong with this movie, his deal with the studio, so I guess he does have some sort of contract with the studio, and his career are done.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Back in the kitchen, he finally agrees to call Jason's dad. He dials his phone and talks on the line. He's like, I'm with Jason Shepard. Yeah, I'm with him right now. And you better bring backup. (laughs) like oh my god what are you doing security comes up and takes Jason and Kaylee away Jason can't believe it and Marty thanks him for saving his butt twice (sighs) and after they leave Monty is left speechless wow
0: (sighs) so Rocco head of security tells Jason and Kaylee that this is what they're gonna do they're gonna get on a plane They're going to go back home and they're going to forget that this ever happened. And they silently agree. So back at the warehouse, Jason and Kaylee are packing. Kaylee can't believe that Jason is giving up like he can get out of anything. She's like, there's no way you don't have a phase four up your sleeve. And Jason is like, yeah, I guess I do. So he then gets on the phone and he calls his dad and tells him that he hasn't been honest about what he's been up to, and he wants to tell him the truth.
1: Later on that evening, Monty arrives at the soundstage and tells Don to go home. She'll drive the kids to the airport, and Don heads out. Kelly tells Jason that the worst part is that Wolf is going to keep getting away with treating people like dirt, and his dad will never know that he wrote the story. And Jason's like, it would take an army to get Wolf to admit the truth. That's when Monty walks over and says she thinks she knows where she can find their troops. Mm. She explains that she's been pushed around by Wolf for too long, and tomorrow his career is on the line. She asks if they're up for one last fight, and Jason's like, it's payback time. Let's fucking go revenge fantasy come
0: to life (laughs) 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 so we see marty all excited for his first day of shooting picking out his outfit you know chatting it up with mr funny bones meanwhile jason has gathered an entire army on the soundstage and says that he's gathered them all here today because they're the best in their given field and they all despise this man marty wolf and we see his picture appear even like the security guard from the start of the movie is here yeah the enemy of my enemy is my friend (laughs) exactly so jason starts explaining this elaborate plan that they have concocted Red team, you're gonna stall until my parents get to set. Blue team, distract and delay tactics. Gold team, <laughs> mental warfare. <laughs> <laughs> so Kaylee clarifies that they need a complete psycho emotional breakdown. Cut to Wolf trying on different outfits in his walk-in closet. And she's like, I want to see a broken man. I want him to scream for his mommy. Where, where, mommy, mommy? Do you read me? Because I don't think you read me. And And Jason's like, like, I "I think think they they read read you. you. (laughs) (laughs) And then snaps back into it. It's showtime.
1: So phase four, the payback. Mm. Frank shows up to drive Marty and... Marty actually does recognize him. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be one of those situations where he, like, doesn't even bat an eye. Right. Frank is like, yeah, I was your driver up until last year when you fired me. And, like, shows him his headshot. Mm -hmm. And Marty's like, oh, the career must be really taking off. (laughs) Crumbles it up, throws it away. Damn. Then Marty calls Monty and she's like, oh, did you get some good sleep? And he's like, I was too busy scrubbing the blue off my body with the bottle of turpentine. <laughs> but now I'm like, he's just something witty He's like, clean as a baby's bottom or he's something. He's like,
0: little boy blue, no more. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so then the car starts smoking. So Brank has to pull over. Marty gets out of the car. He's like, what's going on? we know as the omniscient camera person that the smoke is coming from an fx machine but frank is like the valve has the defibrillator it could blow at any time you have to stay back you must stay back yes (laughs) so he tells marty he's gonna have to call for backup And Marty starts yelling at him about how his movie is starting to shoot in an hour. And Frank starts, like, freaking out and just, like, cloying (laughs) at him, like, trying to, like, grab onto him. Yeah. And out of nowhere, Jaleel drives up and he's like, what's going on? He's, like, in an ultra cool sports car. And Marty asks him for a ride and he agrees. Frank is still trying to... Grab on to this man, <laughs> and uh, he gets. He ends up getting in the car with Julio, and they drive off. And after they take off, Frank is like, Jason, F-Man, pass the baton to J-Dog. <laughs> He's like, who's the bad actor now, Mr. Wolf? Those are
0: real tears. <laughs> yeah. So they start the next phase. Uh, also, have to give a shout out to the setup that they have Jason and Kaylee at. It's like these circuit boards with all these lights and stuff, but all they're doing is pressing, like, next on a PowerPoint
1: presentation. (laughs) It's like... And it's like... And then the next is, like, a new clip art.
0: Yeah. And it's, like, complete. Mm -hmm. A new Mm -hmm. desert clip art. Yeah. (laughs) So they drive off. Jaleel takes Marty on this terrifying drive through the desert where he's like, oh, I know a shortcut. Like, don't worry about it. But he's, like, speeding like crazy. It is truly very scary. And Marty ends up literally jumping out of this moving car. So Jalil lets them know that he left Marty's ass in the middle of the desert. Have at it, kids. And the next <laughs> phase begins. Marty takes out his cell phone and calls Monty and is like, you gotta get me out of the desert!
1: <laughs> so, what do we see appear? This but shot is amazing. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> a helicopter begins flying toward Wolf and landing on this like a desert highway. Right here, right now,
0: right here, right now is what's going in the background by I think like Fatboy
1: Slim or something. I can't remember whose home oh that God. song. But yeah. <laughs> So who should come out of the helicopter but Vince? And he tells Wolf he borrowed it from the chute. He's like, I flew 49 combat missions, missions in Vietnam. And Wolf is like, save me the sob story. <laughs> I already sat through platoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my fucking God, dude. <laughs> He's ruthless. Also, like, this plan has cost the studio millions. Millions. <laughs> They're like anything to get back at this wretched monster. <laughs> yeah. So he boards the helicopter. Vince gets in and he's like, we're on the way mm. to Jason. I don't think he says Jason. Yeah. But like he's some
0: sort of code. Yeah. He's like, father time reporting in. We're on our way. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the airport, Frank picks up the shepherds. And also, I just want to let everybody know that they're using walkie-talkies this whole time. I'm like, that's not how they work. Like, you're not in range (laughs) to use these walkie-talkies, but whatever. But yeah, he walkies over saying, this is the sheep has located the shepherds and we're coming home. Also, not lost on me that, you know jason wolf, shepherd, shepherd marty wolf yeah. boy yeah you know you know so the helicopter is flying to the sound stage when all of a sudden this emergency alarm is going off and vince mm. is like uh-oh one of the blades is jammed we're gonna have to do an emergency evac
1: <laughs> i love how in a helicopter it literally is like oh we have one thing wrong Ju- jumping yeah. out a clock, jumping out a clock. I truly never want to be in a helicopter for as long as I live. It just is terrifying to really? me. Yeah. I'm going to – I'm totally – at some point I want to uh, do like a helicopter ride to see the city. Mm. I think that would be awesome. I will not be joining <laughs> you. I, I'm just looking at her face and she's like <laughs> – <laughs> mm. mm. <laughs> Like – like looking at me like i am the stupidest (laughs) person she has ever encountered it's just it's just like i would
0: i would be freaking out the whole time i would not even be be able to enjoy it like i the crazy
1: thing is like i have a fear of flying right but somehow to me it does not terrify me i wonder if it's because it's not
0: like pressurized and you're not flying as as like at Mm. as high of an altitude
1: maybe maybe yeah uh, i like i'm definitely like feeling mad trapped when i'm in a plane yeah i'm like the steel cage can't <laughs> let me go <laughs> the i'm rattling around in here yeah. <laughs> there's a colonial woman on the wing of the plane <laughs> <laughs> there's a colonial woman turning butter on the wing of the plane
0: <sighs> yeah so yeah they do have to jump out of this helicopter <laughs> So, marty is freaking out understandable you know can't blame him there and vince is like putting on the parachute and he's like what the fuck are you talking about like have you ever, have you ever done this before and vince goes oh don't worry i'm a professional granddad's been doing this a long time and he also has to hold on because there's only one shoot yeah. Absolutely terrifying. They, they, <laughs> they might have actually killed Marty Wolf in this plan if he doesn't <laughs> hold on tight enough. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, they jump out of the plane. Marty is screaming all the way down. And then all of a sudden we see behind a little curtain, like, another pilot pop up and take over. Yeah. Let's, you know, Jason know that they're out of the plane. They're airborne. And uh, Wolf this is just plan- screaming. <laughs>
1: This plan is actually, like, so sinister. Yeah. Like, the way that this – this is – in any dream I ever have, like, this is how I commute. Like, right. it's always, like, oh, first you have a car accident, <laughs> and then you're, like, have to jump out of a plane, and you're running late, and, yeah. like, you can't – and you're paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's – I have so many dreams where I'm, like, driving a car, but, like, somehow I'm in the back seat, or, like um. – I don't have full control over the gas and brake, and I like drive off of a cliff, and then I like have to land it on the other side. Like, yeah, like absolute like at this point, just kill me. Like, just a horror show. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Anyways, and this is why I don't have a license. Safety first. (laughs) (laughs) But in the dream, I'm always like, I should be able to do this. Like, what is? what's the hindrance here like why can't i open my eyes right any dream
0: you know analysts out there what does that mean let us know
1: yeah why can't i is it the the crazy car ride that is my life i'm unable to control (laughs) who's to say who's to say yeah so meanwhile Back at the soundstage, Duncan arrives and asks Monty where Wolf is. And Monty's like, um, he's late. I know, not good. (laughs) Then from over the hill, we see a broken, shattered, just decimated Mm -hmm. Marty walking up. And Wolf calls Monty and tells her he's going to be there in a minute. Just stall Duncan And Wolf cuts through a Western set, but Jason's there, and he confronts him. Wolf stops cold. Jason shows him Mr. Funny Bones. (gasps) Wolf tells him to give it back, but Jason tells him to come and get it. And... Then they take off on a goose chase and he gets in a golf cart. Wolf chases him. They go through the different sound stages and Jason tells Lester he's all yours as he like escapes to a different sound stage. Lester, the computer geek, <laughs> he turns on a water feature from his laptop and floods Wolf. I have seen this. In real life,
0: on the Universal backlot, they do show you that really? side where they, like, release the water and everything. They're like, as seen in Big Fat Liar.
1: Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And they show you the water?
0: Yeah, like, they they, they do it and everything. It's very cool. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: That's so fun. Um, So, yeah, uh, Marty Wolf gets waterboarded. <laughs> what, the, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, they do the thing. And back on set the marketing head from earlier, has arrived to shoot the big stunt. Frank has also corralled Jason's parents to the set. Wolf chases Jason through a house on the soundstage. It's like clearly like a half-constructed house. Like it's just the beams pretty much. Yeah, And eventually they get to the top of the house. Jason flings Mr. Funny Bones into the air and... They both lunge to get him, each managing to grab an arm. And Jason's like, call my dad. And Wolf is like, (laughs) no. Yeah. And he does get Mr. Funny Bones back. And he's like, it's over. You lose and I win. And Jason's like, I don't think so. But Wolf is like, you're smarter than that. You wrote a story and I stole it. And now I'm going to shoot the greatest movie of my career. And Jason's like, oh, so you admit it. You admit you stole my story. And Wolf is like, duh, we've been over this. (laughs) Yeah, I stole your story. I stole Jason Shepard's story. (laughs) And he tells Jason to give it up because he will never tell the truth. And Jason's like, because the truth is overrated, right? And he's like, hey, exactly. Exactly. And that's when we hear the director yell, "Cut! Camera here, camera there, <laughs> camera behind you, camera to the side, mm-hmm. camera up there." And we see Dusty like float up on the director's chair and he's like, "I was right. The only way to shoot this movie is from 12 different camera angles." <laughs> Castang, you're busted. <laughs> And Wolf looks over the edge. He sees all the reps and Duncan watching. Duncan fires Wolf. And Wolf is about to kill Jason. Yeah. So Jason, like, turns and just... And jumps off of the building, nailing the stunt. Mr. Shepard is like jason i can't believe you did all this just to prove you weren't lying and jason's like i really wanted to earn your trust back dad <laughs> well you did By, like <laughs> lying to you 2 000 more times yeah and wolf tries to like rally everyone to shoot the film <laughs> um but they leave like obviously yeah, yeah. there's
0: two things love that you know jason brings back he's like if there's one thing that i learned it's that the truth it's not overrated before he runs and jumps off the building but also the first shot where you see him jumping off the building the uh the like big blow up trampoline thing is not there jesus christ but then like it cuts back to wolf or it cuts to the mom or whatever who only looks like mildly concerned yeah then it cuts back to jason jumping and then the blow up trampoline is there Yeah. So notice that every time I watch it, but very satisfying moment while everybody just laughs at Marty Wolf and walks away and he's like, you're all fired. And somebody just yells, you suck, Marty, as they walk away. But then what happens? Oh, my God. The movie Big Fat Liar does come to be. And who is playing Kenny Trooper? Frank. He finally got his big break. We're sitting in the premiere and the movie ends as he shrinks back to his normal size and looks at Penny, the love of his life, and says, you're right, the truth is not overrated. And the whole audience claps. It's, I guess, a a critical hit uh everybody is is thrilled with this film you see jason sitting next to kaylee and monty we learn that monty wrote and directed the movie in the credits Mm -hmm. it says based on the story big fat liar by jason shepherd miss Caldwell is there she claps for her student everybody
1: is simply thriving then we have a little post-ending scene where Wolf shows up dressed as a clown for a kid's birthday party. Oh no, it's the Masher's son. Lil Masher. Yeah, and he's like, yo, Lil Mash, show him your nutcracker. So Lil Mash runs for Wolf and, you know, mashes his nuts, (laughs) I guess. And the movie ends with Paul Giamatti's face just contorted in pain
0: can you move it like this i
1: can shake it like that can you move it like this i can shake it like that the <laughs> songs used to be so simple i
0: know wow what a film mm-hmm. i have the best time ever every time i watch this movie
1: it's just so fun mm-hmm. and it i'm like oh huh, I'm bored. No, I'm not because you're fucking dying, this man, Baloo. <laughs> He's after you. He's getting you arrested. You're making a plan mm-hmm. to, to like, have him have a psychotic breakdown. <laughs> like, it's moving. It's moving constantly. Exactly. We're in motion. Yeah. This movie is so full of energy, and
0: mm-hmm. I think that the, the – the composer and the music supervisor, I don't know if they're one in the same, but like, did an amazing job with really keeping this movie high energy the whole time. Like, we have so yeah. many great needle drops, but even just the score itself, like, I don't know, I just felt like so up the whole time. It definitely. And the color scheme, yeah. like, everything. It's so fun. It's so energizing. It really moves. It's so funny. Like, we have some really great performances. Not, I mean, we've sung Paul Giamatti's praises this whole episode, but also I really want to give credit to Amanda Vines and Frankie Muniz for really holding their own and having some very, very solid comedic performances. And, yeah, like, I really don't have anything bad to say about this movie. I think it's so funny. It's obviously very, you know, off-the-wall, like, Exaggerated. There's a lot of moments of satire that are pari- parodying various genres, mm-hmm. but I think it's hilarious. Like I truly, truly love this movie.
1: I love it. It's literally like, lit. Like teenage kid writes stories stolen by big time movie producer, mm-hmm. gets revenge on big time movie producer. Like it doesn't have to be a crazy plot like you don't need to reinvent the wheel yeah you just have to be creative and wow suddenly you can do so many movies and you don't need like cgi in every movie Mm -hmm. you just need like a good idea and good actors to do it and like oh i don't know call me crazy a good script (laughs) yeah like call me crazy movie yeah because the movie was made on granted like we mentioned Paul Giamatti, like, wasn't as big of a name back then. And it's also probably just more expensive to make a movie than it was in 2002. But right. they didn't spend a ton of money to make this movie. It was just, like, a fun adventure mm-hmm. comedy.
0: Yeah. Like, very self-contained, um, kind of wacky, but also, like, really fun, especially to watch as a kid. Like, getting to see these kids – like going through that warehouse it's such a fun sequence and like i remember watching that as a kid being like oh my god i wish i could do that that looks so cool and i think that like if this movie came out now that whole scene with them in the warehouse would kind of read as like i don't know like product placement or like self-advertisement but at the at the time it just really felt like wow, look at them looking at these amazing, like, set pieces from these movies that we all love. Like, it's seen with reverence instead of, like, oh, they're just trying to shove their other movies down our throat. It doesn't read like that at all because I think the way it's shot it just, like, pans over things very casually rather than being like, and this is from the Grinch, and this is from Star Wars, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. the Grinch's tits down here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so i don't know it just it, there's something really special to it and i love like a family movie like this where like roger ebert said there's stuff in there for the kids and the adults because the adult sequences are so fucking funny which is what happens when you cast really talented funny people on your movie
1: yeah it's not rocket science yeah and yet and yet yeah i don't know I uh, definitely enjoyed the film. Like, I want to watch it again in its entirety, just to like take it in without taking notes on yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I really had a great time. Like, I don't really have any complaints. My only complaint is that there aren't more movies. Yeah, <laughs> that it's one of a kind. Truly, yeah. <laughs> My only complaint is that it's unique and bespoke. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I know that they did make a, I guess, like a sequel or a remake. Oh, bad. Very bad. Yeah, called Bigger, Fatter Liar. Nobody from the original one was involved in the new one. It's not canon. No, no. And it's about, like, two kids and somebody steals their idea for a video game. I think it's Barry Bostwick is the, you know, the Marty Wolf character in it, but... Yeah. It, it has that kind of like Home Alone-ish quality, like kids pulling pranks. That's always so fun to yeah. watch, especially when you are a kid. And yeah, to see like a, a witty, rambunctious child who also learns a lesson of like, hey, lying is bad. I should be truthful.
1: You got a little moral in there and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's something that I really enjoy about like a teen adventure movie or like a, a child adventure movie. Yeah. And the last Modern one of those I saw was uh, oh I forgot the name, but it was directed by Pineapple Express guy, Seth Rogen. Yes, Seth Rogen, and it's the children. It's like a group of young boys, and they. Does is not ring a bell? Oh well, let me oh, see if is it with
0: Jacob Tremblay from? Yeah, yeah. Room. Yes, I think it's called Good Boys.
1: Yeah, so like obviously that's rated R, I want to say. Highly recommend 90-minute movie and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Stunning. And it's like, um, the film follows three naive sixth graders who ditch school to replace a broken drone and prep for their kisses after being invited to a major party. But things go epically awry. And so, like, it's just a, a freaking adventure movie. Yeah.
0: Simple A to B
1: to C. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thing that makes it exciting is what mischief they get up to. Yeah, the hijinks. The hijinks. Bring back hijinks. I want hijinks. <laughs> I, I want, want hijinks. hijinks.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that's all there is to it well that being said what's your rating for bfl biffle as it's being called
1: (laughs) (laughs) as it's been known to be called (laughs) um i'm gonna give it i'll give it an 8.5 yeah maybe i swear to god (laughs) (laughs) am i I gonna do it am
0: i gonna do it the thing is is like I, I I don't have anything negative to say, so I, I know, I know, that's why I know you're gonna do it. I have to give it a ten.
1: I, really <laughs> I it, can't remember what your last ten was. Like fucking oh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I can't remember. I feel I like think it's it was, I feel like um, it's been a minute since I've given a ten. I'm not sure. But yeah, I love this movie. And if you don't enjoy this movie, then you're a big fat liar because yes you do because
1: <laughs> yeah you <laughs> yeah, do yeah you do <laughs> all right yeah well if you're in Canada it is available on Netflix right now um I had to buy this well I rented it <laughs> yeah. I rented it but I rented it on Amazon
0: there so. you go beautiful yeah. well we hope that you enjoyed this episode let us know your favorite uh, Marty Wolf one liner. Mm -hmm. from this app i know there are many and yeah if you want even more content you can always listen to our patreon episode of enchanted it was a very fun time and if you want even more content you can always follow us on instagram at movies that raised us you can follow us on tiktok at movies that raised us pod
1: you can follow us on twitter at mtru underscore pod and you can send us a good old-fashioned email at movies that raised us at gmail.com
0: Yes, and we will see you next week for the start of Fall in Love February.
1: Oh my god, I'm shooting an arrow. Who's it going i in a diaper hit? and I'm shooting an arrow <laughs> and you're gonna fall in love. Wow. Mmm, it's February. Okay. <laughs> I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme
0: song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.